Hey everybody, welcome to episode 36 of Two Views Movies Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome back to Two Views Movies Podcast, a spoiler-filled podcast by two guys who love watching movies almost as much as we love arguing about them. I'm Garrett. And I'm Carson. And we are here with another top five list today. Uh, obscure top five list, I should say. And this one's yours. Yeah, this one was mine, and I struggled a little bit. I had a few ideas. We chased down a few rabbit holes, and I wasn't really happy with the outcome. So I defaulted back to this one, and we'll see how it goes. This is going to be an interesting one because, well, I think it could be fun for our listeners. It's going to be a challenge for us to talk about. And that is because I've asked us to come up with our top five movies that we've only seen once. And that might be an interesting concept for some people because most people don't watch movies over again quite like we do. True. But I think what I was kind of hoping to get at with this is that what's something, because you and I rewatch a lot of movies. And I, I think conceptually for people like you and I, to say something's your favorite or a top movie and you've only seen it once is interesting because right. we will, I mean, I would venture to say you and I just as a whole tend to watch a lot of movies at least more than once. Like we get, I mean, hence two views, right? We either see it in movie in the theater twice or we see it in theater. It and then as soon as it comes out, we rewatch it again to figure out, okay, were we way off? Did we like it as much as we thought? Did we not? And, so, that, and that's a lot where the name comes from. Not only are there two of us, but we feel like we can't really grasp a movie and give it a proper rating until we've seen it twice. Right. So it's rare. So then, you know, then you start thinking about your favorite movies from your childhood or your upbringing. I mean, if something's 10 years old and we haven't seen it twice, that's interesting. And especially if we say that we really like it. And I think there's a lot of factors that go into this, right? Like this is not on my list, but I have not, to the best of my knowledge, rewatched any of the Lord of the Rings. I saw them all at midnight release in college with you probably and have never seen any of them on DVD because part of it is it's like three hours staring at me in my face. I'm like, oh, if I want to devote three hours, how much do I really like it? Yeah, for a, a third of a movie that you don't even have an ending yeah. for. And, and some movies just maybe you really like them. But you're like, oh, God, every time I go to pick it off the DVD shelf or whatever, or turn it on Netflix, it's like eh, I liked it, but it was, I don't know. I don't know if icky is the right, you know what I mean? Like maybe it's kind of depressing. Like, like how many times do you really want to rewatch Schindler's list? Yeah. And even like the passion of the Christ, it's, yeah. it's not a movie that you're ever in the mood to put in. Right. You know, do I really want to see Jesus be beaten <laughs> right. over and over again? You yeah. Know, it's, it's, you want to see it because you know, again, Schindler's list is those, uh, they're, they're very emotionally taxing Right. And, and it's never like, oh, let's go watch Schindler's List. You right. Know, that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's where I thought this would be interesting because, you know, we've been tracking our movies on Letterboxd for four years now. But we also kind of know what movies we have or haven't seen more than once, I think, generally speaking. So I was, I was, this one was coming for me, I think, from a place of curiosity of even about myself and and you like what are something that we think are good movies that we we would say if somebody asked us should we see it and do you like it yes and yes but i've only seen it once so right why didn't it bubble up you know there must be something there as to why so i thought it'd be interesting but the challenge is going to be from us as podcasters 
how much can you talk about a movie that you've only ever seen once? And potentially, I haven't seen some of yours. You haven't seen some of mine. So, And it's been a long time since we've seen them. That's right. the second set of recordings we've done now where you've said it's been a long time. And nobody on the podcast would get the joke. But I can't <laughs> get Eric Roberts' voice from Best of the Best out of my head. It's been a long time. Yeah. Uh, now I want to watch Best of the Best. <laughs> Too bad I've seen it more than once and it couldn't be on this list. You've seen that an unhealthy amount of times. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that it is ever unhealthy to watch Best of the Best that much. <laughs> Please don't go out and watch Best of the Best. Is that what you're telling our audience? I'm telling our audience. You're telling the audience of a podcast hosted by you and me to not go see Best of the Best. If you think that that's a recommendation from us that it's a good movie, don't go see Best of the Best. Okay. I would say it's badly good. It's hilarious in some ways. It's hilariously bad. It fits, so as, as, it, long, as it, long as you put that right, your, it yeah. fits, perf- fits perfectly into the late '80s. Where <laughs> what uh, what are they? What is there? It's not karate. Uh, taekwondo. Taekwondo tournaments. Yes, thank you. But I would say that if you're a listener of this podcast and you want to understand the psyche of Garrett and Carson, <laughs> best of the best would be on the list, right? Like if we made a. Maybe that's something you and I can do offline when we got free time. It doesn't have to be a podcast episode, but like, here's the movies. Like, if you really want to understand where Garrett and Carson are coming from, like, I think it should be a sprinkling of good movies, badly good movies, movies we grew up with. Like, here's our definitive list of 100 movies that Two Views movies would say. If you watch all these, you know where Garrett and Carson are coming from. There's going to be far more bad movies on there than... Yeah. Than good, I think. But maybe we'd categorize them into buckets, <laughs> right? Very many 80s yeah, like, movies. Like we, we're doing 100. Here's 10 awfully bad movies that we love. Here's 10 <laughs> that we grew up on. Here's 10 that we would say are the best movies we've ever seen, right? It makes up two of you. So if people get bored and they want their watch list, like, oh, you know, I, I want to understand why Garrett never shuts up about Rad. So let's just watch Rad. <laughs> yeah, don't watch Rad. <laughs> you have not seen Rad, so you cannot comment. <laughs> but you know what you're getting ready to see. For American Ninja movies. Yes. You just <laughs> gave on Blu-ray. Yeah. I don't American Ninja Blu-ray. 1 through 4 yeah. to me for my birthday. Happy so birthday. I, so thanks. It's a birthday gift for me too. For Michael, <laughs> Michael Dudikoff. <laughs> Can't wait. Yes. All right. So that's the ground rules. The other rule that we had was recency. So it didn't make sense for us to say, hey, I want to put Won't You Be My Neighbor on my list because I've only seen it once. Like, yeah, it's not cool. So you need to give it. We we didn't set a hard and fast date range, but like we basically said that if it's so recent that it's not reasonable that you couldn't have seen it twice, don't put it on your list. Yeah, like one if it's still in theaters, clearly. Yeah, but one's not picked that one for me that I had was uh, Dunkirk. I've only seen it once. I was completely blown away by it. Loved it. I have had time to see it because it's been on DVD. In fact, it's on HBO. I just haven't seen it. But I was like, oh, that that's still too new. It feels like a cop out to me. So you want to start? You want me to start? Uh, you go. Okay. So number five. My number five is a movie called Blue Ruin. From what I remember about this movie, the best way I ever heard this summed up was a guy wants to get revenge for something that happens to his family. I think it's a family member that dies and he is clearly upset about it and he wants to get revenge on the person who did it. And the way it was described before I saw it was, it's like this guy only knew what to do based off of movies that he's watched. So it's not a comedy, because that sounds like it would be really funny. But it it's like if Carson and I tried to go get revenge on somebody. All of our ideas would be fueled by 
what we've seen in movies. <laughs> and so this guy tries to do this and it doesn't necessarily go the way that he thinks it would. And so the whole movie plays out about what happens after he tries to get revenge and people start following him and he's running and gets himself into all sorts of trouble. It's a very good movie. I gave it four stars when I watched it. I don't remember exactly when I watched it. It came out in 2013. It was directed by the same guy who directed Green Room, which I know I made you watch as part of another little thing we do on the side. Mm -hmm. And so I can see some some similarities in it. But the description Letterboxd gave for it was, it's the quiet life of a beach bum is upended by dreadful news. He sets off for his childhood home to carry out an act of vengeance, but proves an inept assassin and finds himself in a brutal fight to protect his estranged family. So it's got a 3.7 average on Letterboxd. I'm at a four, so it's it's right around what I think. But I remember really liking it. I do want to see it again. It's just something I've never, it's, I've never seen it come up on cable. I don't think it was like a huge release by any means. I think it was kind of a smaller movie. So that's part of the reason why I've never seen it again. If it was on, if I went home tonight and it was on, I'd stop and watch it. But I've never seen it on. So I think I've been telling you for a while about it now. Yeah, and I've not seen it nor seen anything about it. Yeah, you need to watch it. I think you would like it. But that's my number five. It's, it was a good movie. So I was looking through mine, and uh, one that really just jumped out at me was uh, the new remake of The Jungle Book in uh, 2016. The, they used the life, lifelike, I guess. Yeah, that was done by John Favreau, right? Sure. I'm pretty sure he did that. It was It was done really well, and it had the... Nostalgia of the songs in it, and the animals look like animals. And so, I don't know if you've seen the the trailer for the new new Jungle Book that's coming out. Another Jungle Book. Another Jungle Book. Called Mowgli. Yes, it looks terrible. And I thought it looked like the same. The animals don't look like animals. They they look incredibly fake. I'm like, you you've seen this done. You've seen this done well. If you want to tell a different story with these animals. The the Jungle Book in 2016, I think, nailed it. And so they had a little bit different twist, and so it's not the same story as the cartoon, but I really enjoyed it. And part of that's me from my childhood. That's one of my favorite cartoons. But they they knocked it out of the park. I like the cartoon. My son was obsessed with it when he was younger, but I did not like the movie. I thought it was boring. I thought it was just average. Uh, do you know what you... What did you give it? Did you say I, already? I gave it a four. Okay. I was a, looks like on Letterboxd, I was at a three. What most of the people are skewing more towards you on Letterboxd, but I just felt like it was okay. I haven't been a big fan of any of the live action remakes, though, to be perfectly honest. So, well, they've done what, two? Beauty and the Beast and Jungle Book? If you don't count, like Alice in Wonderland and. I did not see that. There was a couple others, I think, maybe that they've done. But yeah, I just, I don't know. This one wasn't for me. I started falling asleep during the movie, I didn't like it. No, we'll see. Because you were sleeping, you missed. No, I mean I didn't. Miss I didn't the goodness. fall asleep. I was like nodding. It wasn't keeping my attention. You, you give me bare necessities, and uh, <laughs> that, that's an easy extra star right there. I'm not happy with your number five. This better get better as we go. <laughs> All right, you're up. <laughs> All right, my number four was Rush. It was a movie with Thor, Chris Hemsworth, and. Um, Baron Zemo. Baron Zemo, but people won't know him as much as that because he's forgettable in that movie. He is Friedrich Zoller in Inglorious Bastards. Okay. Yeah. 
he's the main the sniper guy. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But it's directed by Ron Howard. It's a movie about Formula One. But I watched this in my basement and I turned up my sub, my speakers really this the sound in this movie is phenomenal. If you watch this, watch it in good sound. It the F one cars, the sound that they have is incredible. Ron Howard has kind of been lackluster a little bit. I think we talked about this in solo, but Rush is surprisingly good. It, it's not, it's not five stars. It, it's I could I could see it maybe being three and a half for some people. I know some people are going to really like it. I enjoyed it. I, some of that might have been from lower expectations. It was just something I turned on and rented one day, however many years ago, thinking like, oh okay, it's got Chris Hemsworth. Maybe it is pretty good. Yeah, I really really liked it. It's not a subject matter that I've ever really liked all that much. I don't really watch racing of any kind, let alone F1. But I thought it was a great job. It tells the story of both of these drivers and what they go through there. It's kind of the story where they start off as enemies and they kind of become friends after some things happen. I don't want to give anything away. Chris Hemsworth's the playboy guy. Daniel Brühl is the methodical, traditional racer and their styles clash. Very good movie. I highly recommend it. And see, I, I gave it a three and I think that was probably mm. generous. I, uh, Oh, kind of generous. Okay, pretty generous. It's sitting at 3.7 on Letterboxd, and you're at a... Three. Three, and you're saying that's generous? Nah. Yeah, I, it's not not one that I'd really watch again. I don't think so. Again, racing isn't my... I think you need to revisit it now that you have a full speaker system in your basement. That was... I did see it in theaters. That was 2013? Yeah. And so it's it's been a few days. Yeah. But I did not... So put it on. It, turn. I remember it being long and kind of boring. Um, that, that was my, my takeaway from it. It's only that. two hours. Well, it feels long okay. and boring. So now that you have your whole speaker set up, okay. turn that on, get the sub turned up, and crank it up really loud. That F1 <laughs> sound is phenomenal. We'll go shake the room. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Okay. So my, my number four is Mother. Ugh. So this was uh, Jennifer Lawrence. And this was, what, last year? Uh, I think when it came out in the middle of last year. Yeah, I think that's um, about right. It, it surprised me. Uh, it's definitely more of an art house movie, definitely uh, polarizing. I think what really got me about this was when I finally put it together, what they were doing. And Yeah, because so, I will say this is not a Carson movie. It's by not. any stretch of the imagination. No, and, that, and that's what, part of why I put it on the list was, if you think, yeah, if you think of this, it, it's not... Not my wheelhouse, no. Typically, but it's more of how I left the theater feeling uh, when I had the realization midway and probably closer to the end of the movie of what they were doing. It was kind of like that aha moment that made me enjoy all of it, and then looking back at what they did and really appreciating it for for what it was at that point. During the movie, it's kind of messed up, you know, as you're watching, and you just don't know what's going on. And uh, again, I'm trying to not talk much about exactly because i <laughs> yeah. want people to, to kind of figure it out themselves and, and some people don't some people still don't yeah. don't know what what they watched and so and some people do and, and didn't like it you know and so you got both sides of that but i i really enjoyed it now would i like it the second time i don't know but i left the theater thinking wow you know that that was fun fun for me to go through that revelation yeah and so it was uh, th- that's why I, I gave it a four uh, because of that. And again, I, will that hold up and I watch it again? I don't know. Uh, maybe because I can look for things uh, that maybe I missed throughout. 
But if I try to watch it a third time, I'm probably it. I don't know what it'd be, but yeah. But yeah, so I gave gave that a four. Uh, mother, that's interesting because you and I are not on the same page on the. Well, I mean, you didn't see Blue Ruin, but I'm not a fan of Jungle Book. You weren't a fan of Rush. I was not a fan of this movie. I, I think I said I appreciated this movie. It is very much an art house movie. Very very much not a Carson movie. Without talking about it, and I think you've kind of alluded to this, but I'm, I guess I'm trying to pin you down a little bit more. If that ending or the final revelation, whatever you want to call it, had not been to your liking, I think you would have swung way down to like a two. I don't know if that's true. The part of the enjoyment for me in a lot of movies is trying to figure it out. It's yeah. almost like a like a mystery that you, you want to have a twist, but one that you could figure out, not one that's just, you know, yeah, out of left field. We never even met that guy, you know. This one, I had an idea in my head of what I thought it was, where it was going, and it wasn't that. It was in the same vein, mm-hmm. but but I, I was wrong. And then when I and I flipped the script on it, and I was like, ah, I'm like aha, you know. Yeah. And then then that really made me enjoy it. I think I would have enjoyed it just as much if it was the same way that I was thinking it was going. True, but I, but had it been something completely different, yes. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Because it does not strike me as it, it. It feels like for you, this this movie is putting all its eggs in one basket, which is like it's got to pay off in the end. Because it's not the kind of movie that you traditionally would enjoy, and so it 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 won you over with its ending. But if it had crapped itself on that ending for whatever reason, I think you would go way down the other direction. I think so. Yeah, I could see that. Th- this is a a very hard one to recommend to anybody to watch like oh sure you really have to know the person you know sometimes people come up to you and be like oh you watch a lot of movies would you go see this one most of the time you can be like oh yeah you know it's worth seeing go check it out you can kind of feel pretty confident that mother is one of those where you're like i need to know a little bit more about you like can you fill out this 10 question (laughs) form so i can kind of know whether like yeah you know that'd be awesome to have right like a little thing because like you know people i'm sure they with you too right they do this with me but like they know we watch a ton of movies and so they're always asking you know should we see it should we not Maybe it'd be awesome to have a little questionnaire be like, can you just fill this out so I can kind of know what you like? Like, oh, you said your favorite movie is, you know, 13 going on 30. Yeah, don't go watch Mother. Right. Right. <laughs> you say that it's, you know. I'm, I'm judging your clothes and hair. <laughs> and, and I'm going to say no. No, no, not on this one. Yeah. But you should go see Jurassic World. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Mother is one of those that uh, I would tell people to watch it, but I know some people won't finish it. They'll, I, they'll yeah. be 20, 30 minutes in and be like, nope, I'm like, like, what is this doing? I'm, I'm turning it off. Yeah. yeah. Unfo- unfortunately. So that, that was my number four. Yeah. Uh, that's a good one. I mean, I, I thought it was okay, but it, I could see why it, you like it and I can see why you've only seen it once. So it's a, yep. it's a good pick for the list. For me, I'm on number three. Mine is Blue Valentine. I've only seen this once. We have a friend who loves this movie. <laughs> does not stop talking about it thinks it's one of his favorite movies of all time thinks he says it's his favorite movie of all he time. thinks so it's not yeah. it's not true <laughs> yeah so i've only seen it once it's got of course it's got baby goose and michelle williams and really it's ryan gosling yeah i know i, I do that a lot but he's he, i mean figured out right what is a baby goose it's a gosling that's what i'm talking about <laughs> it's got ryan gosling it's not a happy movie 
The description is Dean and Cindy live a quiet life in a modest neighborhood. They appear to have the world at their feet at the outset of the relationship. However, his lack of ambition and her retreat into self-absorption caused potentially irreversible cracks in their marriage. So it's half a love story and half the crumbling of a love story. It's not happy. It's depressing. When I watched it, I gave it four stars. It's grown in my head over the years. It came out in 2010 in terms of how much I like it. I am, you know, I always do my best to work in references to either Ryan Gosling or La La Land. But in my head, I like to think that Blue Valentine is sort of the counterpart in some ways and antithesis to La La Land in some ways. It, it's hard to describe because La La Land tells a story of two people that come together and meet and, and they can't stay together for whatever reasons. Blue Valentine does this in a more devastating way. La La Land kind of ends, even though they can't be together, it's still kind of happy. Blue Valentine does not end that way, but they, they feel like synonymous. It's not the same director. The only thing they have in common is Ryan Gosling, but they feel like two halves of a whole to me. And so I think in my mind, I've started to appreciate Blue Valentine more as I've grown to like La La Land more. Makes sense in my head. Yeah. And our friend who likes it, in my opinion, has terrible taste in movies. <laughs> and uh, you with your your baby goose bias, you know, it, it's hard to get me saying, okay, maybe, maybe I should give this a shot because I think you guys just like it. You know, for reasons the normal public wouldn't. And so that, that's why I've never, never sought it out, never tried to put it yeah. in. Yeah. Yeah. Our friend likes dramas for sure. And kind of maybe not depressing dramas, but he doesn't need them to be happy. And I do have an unhealthy obsession with Ryan Gosling. So that, and that's perfectly <laughs> fine. I, I, I acknowledge that. I mean, there's, there's Brady and there's Ryan Gosling and there's Keanu Reeves. I, I'm, I'm comfortable living my life like that. <laughs> Yeah, it's not for everybody. I enjoy it. I really do want to watch it again. I had it DVR'd for the longest time. I haven't got back around to it. But that's more of a byproduct of you have to be in the right mood for it. I mean, it's kind of like what we talked about. You know, you I'm not comparing it to Schindler's List, but I mean, how often are you in the right mood to watch a movie about <laughs> a relationship falling apart completely on its face? So sometimes movies like that resonate with you for whatever reason. And I really like it, and that's why it's the third one on my list. But I do want to see it again soon. I'm going to put it on my watch list now. So number three. Mm -hmm. So I picked Conspiracy. And so this is with uh, Kenneth Branagh and Stanley Tucci. It's about about Nazis. (laughs) And they're all Nazis in this movie, and they're all in a room. And so I, I equate it to like 12 Angry Men. Yeah, you know the the whole the whole movie, and this may be a play. I don't know. Um, it very well could be a play because again, it's all one room, but it's it's a bunch of different German officers, all in a room, talking about the final solution to the Jewish question. You know, so they're talking about well, do we do concentration camps? Do we use gas chambers? Do we you know? And the way that they talk about all of these people's lives just so casually, you know, and, and some guys are like, well, how are we, some people are against it. So some of the guys are against it, but then the other ones are feeling that if you're against it, you're going to get killed. Yeah. And I'm a big Kenneth Branagh fan uh, and just about everything he does. And just the, the dynamic of the room 
and how they're talking about this. And there's obviously some really sick individuals in the room, but then the, even the ones that are, uh, that you think are good people can't, you know, they can't raise their voice because they know they're about to be walked out to pasture and put down. And so it's a very interesting way to look at what happened in World War II. And it's, uh, again, I've only seen it once. We we found it on uh, Amazon Prime, mm-hmm. I, I believe. And, and we watched it a, a few years ago. And I, I just really liked how it all worked. And and I'm a big history guy. So And, and World War II is fascinating to me. And just just to hear uh, hear all the the arguments and the different ideas, the different suggestions that, that they came up with of uh, like like really like is this really happening? Like that that's how they're talking. You know, it, it, yeah. it, it's mind blowing. Yeah, and I, I think correct me if I'm wrong. Wasn't this an HBO movie? It could have been. I, I think it is. I don't think it was a theater movie. I think it was produced and made solely by HBO. That that's. That could be. And I, this is, so this is one that you and I have both seen and we're pretty close on it. You were at four, I'm at three and a half. So I, I enjoyed it too. It, the comparisons to a play and 12 Angry Men are, are pretty spot on. It's not, it's not as good as 12 Angry Men, but it's certainly in that vein. I mean, clearly you could hear the pitch being made at HBO of, hey, <laughs> right. It sounds really callous. But, hey, let's make Twelve Angry Men with Nazis. Right. I mean, but that that is what it is. Um, really good. I I enjoyed it. I think there's a few other people in there too. Like I think Colin Firth is in there. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned we L- Loki. Getting, yeah, Tom Hiddleston just randomly shows up as a radio operator. Yeah, one of his first roles. He has yeah. a, a half a second <laughs> yeah. screen time. No, I, I'm with you on this one. I've only seen it once. That's a good pick. I liked it. Like you, all the reasons you said, good historical context, really well acted. Yeah. Done good. Solid pick. Uh, where does that put me? That's uh, number two. Okay. So I'm you on are number at two. number two. Yeah. Okay. I'm at number two. This one caught me by surprise. So I went on a streak a while where I started trying to watch old best picture winners and nominees. And I was going through stuff. And I'd had this one on my list. It had gotten really good ratings. But it's a period piece, and it was made in 1984. And it's, like, almost three hours long, I think. So, and it was on Netflix. So I'm I'm sitting there, and I'd been kind of eyeballing it, and I was homesick from work one day. So I was like, I have nothing better to do. If I'm ever going to watch this movie, now's (laughs) the time to watch it, right? Because it's like... You know, I'm sick, but it's 7 o'clock in the morning, so I can watch it and be done by, you know, 10.30 or 11, so I still have part of my day. Anyways, it's Amadeus by Milos Forman. It came out in 1984. It actually won Best Picture. I was, like, pretty much floored by the movie. I did not expect it to be as good as it was. I did not expect it to be as captivating as it was. I thought, oh, it's made in the 80s. I'm sure it was great for the 80s, but you know, now it's not going to be very good. I, c- I couldn't have been more wrong. F. Murray Abraham steals the show, which you may not know him by his name, but if you Google him, you will see him because he has been in all sorts of stuff. The way the movie is told is F. Murray Abraham plays Salieri, who is a musician in... Uh, Italy, I believe. 
and Amadeus is there, but Amadeus Mozart is portrayed as this foppish, really airheaded, not belligerent, but like he's a womanizer chasing, he's, he's childish, like doesn't even, you know, take music seriously. But Salieri can never compare to what Mozart is. So he gets frustrated. It's like this rivalry where no matter what Salieri does, he lives and breathes music, tries to teach it. But Mozart's able to just do what he does and gets all this fame and notoriety and it drives Salieri insane. But you're, so you're being told about the greatness of Mozart through the eyes of Salieri, through the whole movie. It's brilliant. I, I can't remember the last time I was so pleasantly surprised by a movie because going into it, like I said, 1984, best picture winner. Three hours long, period piece about Mozart. Snooze fest is what everybody's thinking. And I was like enraptured the whole time. I, it's one of those, I would, I would honestly recommend it to everybody because it's, it's that good of a movie. And I've had the same thoughts as you have, and I, and I just couldn't pull a trigger. I watched, watched the trailer, you know, look, look at the cast and it's like, ugh, no, no, thank you. Yeah. And passed and, I, and I've never, I've never clicked play on that. I can understand it, but I'm telling you, I, I don't think you would walk away hating it. Like you might think it's just okay, but there's a chance that you think it's great. I, I, I want to watch it again so bad, but I still have, now I'm just on the time hurdle and it's like, okay, I've, I've seen this one. So I really wanted to watch almost three hours. I mean, same thing as I said about Lord of the Rings. Like, I know I like it. I know, but uh, the time constraint hurts. So yeah, that's Amadeus. My number two pick. Amadeus. So my number two, uh, I put on the list is the big sick. This, uh, this one surprised me. This is a, a comedy about, uh, a guy and a girl. And uh, she gets sick, and it it just I don't know if it caught me at the right time, but uh, it's very funny. It's very it get, it can get deep, but it's just very well done. It's, it's done differently than I th- I expected it to be. And uh, we saw this back in November or so, but I I could walk up. I don't know why I haven't, um, but I could I could turn on right now and and love it. I, there's so many lines in this movie that uh, I just think are absolutely hilarious that there's, he's, uh, and forgive me for butchering his name. Kumail Nanjani. There you go. Yeah. Uh, From uh, Silicon Valley. Silicon, yeah. He, uh, this is a story about his real life and his relationship with his now wife, which I think really adds to this movie. And so knowing that going in is huge. Because there's a lot of pieces of this movie that you'd be watching and go, okay, they just threw that in there for a, a plot device to move to the next scene, or uh, that, that's kind of unbelievable, or of course I know it's going to happen, but this is his real life. Yeah. And, and, and these things, you're like, oh, wow. You know, that's, that's really cool how, how it walks through there. And it's, again, it's a, it's a very funny movie. Uh, I recommend really all walks of life to see it i don't know who wouldn't enjoy it yeah uh, it is it is a it is a love story but it's also comedy yeah like you said it kind of crosses genres it's a little bit of a rom-com it's a little bit of a drama it's a little bit of a straight comedy so it just kind of uh, yeah it's a really like all encapsulating movie and it's just enjoyable 
Ray Romano does a great job, and I'm not a big Ray Romano no, fan. Yeah. But, I completely agree with that. But he 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 fits in perfectly. Yep. Holly Hunter, she does a great job. It just everybody in this movie and the way they interact, I just think is so dead on. And that it, I believe I gave this a four and a half. Uh, I may have given it a four, but I think it uh, I think it definitely could be a, a four and a half on a, a second viewing. But it it's just just funny. Yeah, I'm with you. I I've only seen it once. Um, I, I thought about putting it on my list. I, I excluded it for time reasons because I don't think I even saw it until maybe closer to the end of the year, if not, maybe even the first part of this year. Okay. But I still really liked it. Four stars. Uh, I would love to see it again. Done so incredibly well. The humor is great. The story is great. I think you and I had talked about this before, but the best compliment I can ever give this movie is that the title of the movie, the blurb about the movie, about mm-hmm. her getting sick, I completely forgot about it. Like I was watching <laughs> the movie and I was having such a good time enjoying it and laughing. And I was like, oh, I really like this movie. And then she got sick. I was like, oh, man, no, she's sick. And I was like, oh, crap. It's called, it's the, big called sick. the Big Sick. Yeah, but I mean, that's how good of a time I was having is that yeah. I, you know, normally you're like, okay, checking your watch. Okay, we're 30 minutes into this and we got an hour and 10 left. When's she going to get sick? And right. I just did not have that mindset with this. It was just a really fun movie. Yeah, and, and you can tell really by by my list where it's going is like none of these are really stereotypical me movies. Uh, but then it kind of fits the category of, uh, you know, I watch those movies over and over again. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, but, yeah. but, I, but I did really enjoy all these. And as I'm going through this, I do want to watch them them all again. Yeah. Uh, now that I'm saying these all out loud. But uh, so that was number two. Big sick. Yep. All right. So my number one, actually good timing from a recording standpoint, bad timing from a release of our podcast standpoint. Right. So I have not seen sicario 2 yet because it's not out yet right by the time everybody listens to this it will have been out and we probably will have and recorded. we will have seen it yeah. <laughs> yeah we will have probably recorded sicario 2 point being sicario is my number one pick it's a fantastic movie yeah i i don't have a good reason for why i haven't watched it again but it other than it is kind of a dark movie i mean it's action based but it's not a very uplifting movie it's kind of disturbing it's kind of yeah it, it's not like a It's not like a John Wick where it's like fun violence, you know, quote unquote fun violence. Um, It's, yeah, dark. It's kind of too real. You know, you could see this actually happening. Drug lords skinned guys and hung them from bridges. Right. uh, Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I I, kind of know why I haven't watched it again. It just hasn't kind of clicked and wanted to do that. But it's phenomenal. I mean, the director is great. Emily Blunt's great. Del, Del Toro, Brolin. Everything about this movie is great. It's the reason why we're so pumped to see Sicario 2. Right. So I I don't know that I really need to talk about this movie much. Everybody that I've talked to likes Sicario and oh, yeah. I, wants you know wants to see Sicario 2. I've seen it many times. See, and... I, I, I haven't. I kind of disappoint, but I, I am telling you this. It will get watched before Prior I to. see Sicario 2. So, which As is, well, it should be. This coming weekend, so I got to get on it. Now, I only gave it four stars. You look like you gave it four and a half, so I'll be definitely interested to see where I land when I when I revisit it. So, Yeah, no, it it's good. And Benicio and Josh Brolin, I mean, and then Emily Blunt. That, that's the only, the only disappointing part about Sicario 2 is Emily Blunt is apparently not in it. So, yeah, she's not. And so that's... That's disheartening because she does a great <laughs> job in this. Yeah. So my promise to the podcast, which 
and all sorts of weird timelines in which we'll be recording this and hearing this is that by the time we record Sicario 2, I will have watched Sicario 1, so that will help influence our podcast on Sicario 2, which I don't know when you'll be hearing sometime in the future. All right. All right. My uh, my number one is Whiplash. Yes. So I uh, I really was surprised about Whiplash. And so we, we saw that uh, in theaters, and uh, I really wasn't all that excited to see it, to be honest. Yeah. Do you remember why you saw it in theaters? No. <laughs> I do. Because our friend who we talked about um, earlier. Yeah. Went and saw it because he does the whole Oscar run every year. Mm-hmm. Went and saw it and was completely blown away. So I was like, oh, okay. So I run out to the theater. I go watch it. And I'm like, oh my God, Whiplash is awesome. So then, you know, we're telling you, dude, you got to go see Whiplash. It's phenomenal. It's incredible. Please go see it. So that we all saw it within like a matter of like a, within the same week or two. Because that was like a the Christmas run, right? Yeah. Like Christmas time. Yeah. yeah. And so I think that's when we, we tend to binge binge watch movies this is pre movie pass uh, <laughs> yeah. where we binge watch movies over the christmas holiday and i mean miles teller uh who typically i'm not not a big fan of did phenomenal jk simmons stole the show uh it was uh, who i still <laughs> i still every time i see my picture uh, HBO Oz, where he's I haven't seen that. He's a, a Nazi in prison, yeah, or a white supremacist supremacist in prison, and so that that's hard to get in my head. But it really fits here, you know, in Whiplash. But he it's it's a guy who's practicing drums and his drum teacher, and just so intense that you wouldn't think that that's the the musical school would be intense enough to film a whole movie around it and just the the back and forth and and the sound just everything about it is so powerful and part of why I haven't watched it again because I, I own it now um, it, it, it's sitting over in my pile <laughs> of uh, I own it but haven't watched it yet but part of it was I wanted to set up the sound and I wanted to watch it downstairs not upstairs you know and it wouldn't be the yeah. right feel and i didn't want to fall asleep and you know so i was waiting for this perfect timing to watch it again but it's definitely you know on that hey i, I gotta watch this again because as i did really enjoy it but it's been two years it came out in 2014 wow so yes. it's it's been it's been missed <laughs> it's, yeah. it's been overlooked for a yeah. while i don't know how long i've owned it but it's been sitting in in that pile of, of waiting to be watched again and uh it is insanely good it, it's a good movie and it's one of those two that when you and i was probably guilty of this you see the trailer or you see the poster and you hear it's a movie about a jazz drummer i mean you just immediately are like oh god okay yeah. but i mean this is one of those like never judge a book by its cover kind of things it's 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 intense yeah it it's is. an intense movie like, yeah. like I'm like I, I'm like tensed up just talking about it and I haven't yeah. seen it in four years. The dynamic between J.K. Simmons and Miles Teller is incredible. I mean, those two build up such a, a tension between each other. It's unbelievable. And did J.K. win uh, um, Oscar? I, I know he was nominated. I think he did. I don't know for sure, but that sounds well, right. He, he should have if he did. I know Whiplash didn't win, but it was nominated. Yeah, that but, was the year that Birdman won. Yeah, and this this is better than Birdman. And Whiplash at the time was what I said was the best movie of that year. I've since, 
I think it's probably still the best movie. My favorite movie, well, there's a lot of favorites, like Guardians was out that year, and but Interstellar and Grand Budapest was the my favorite of the best pictures but whiplash to me was best picture that year i, I and i've recommended it to so many people and some people surprisingly don't like it but see i haven't seen i haven't ran into anybody who's seen it and not liked it i've seen i think tons of people have never seen it but, i know but, i know somebody in particular and she listens to this podcast i recommended whiplash and she watched it and didn't she's they thought it was good, but like they weren't fawning over it like I was. So she'll leave a comment on Facebook when she hears she, this. She's silly then. <laughs> that's, that's my number one. Yeah, that's a worthy number one. I, I love that movie. Um, I, according to Letterboxd, I've only seen it twice. So I, I just passed the cut the of cut. <laughs> it being on this list. Well, that actually turned out to be a pretty decent conversation. I was worried about how that was going to go with not much to talk about. But yeah. at the very least, maybe people have 10 movies that maybe they haven't seen or they've only seen once that they want to revisit or see for the first time. Yeah. Now I know what I'm doing this weekend. Yeah, I know. If I anything, my... it helped me, <laughs> you know, flesh out my, my list a little bit. So don't know that I'll be revisiting Amadeus, but I got a, I got a blue Valentine. That's Sicario waiting for me. I think. Yeah. I think uh whiplash and conspiracy deserve another viewing. Yeah. With your new audio setup, I think whiplash is a must. Yeah. Turn it up real loud and it'd be great to hear in surround sound. All right, well, that's our top five for this go-around. As usual, leave us a message on Facebook, rate our podcast on the podcast store. You can email us at twoviewsmovies at gmail.com or go to our site to check anything out, past episodes, whatever, at twoviewsmovies.com, and we will catch you next time.